0: Welcome to Results May Vary, a podcast to help you design your life. Chris and I have worked in the field of design and innovation for over 17 years between us. We've helped sustain a food revolution for Jamie Oliver and redesigned the way LA County votes. We've even engaged the world's most creative minds in science by turning their genes into music at TED. Throughout our careers, we always wondered, what if we took the same creative problem-solving process we used to help well-known organizations solve their toughest challenges and applied it to people's lives? Would it work? Would anyone listen to us? And maybe even scarier, what would happen if they did? Results may vary is a thoughtful experiment to see just what happens when you set out to intentionally design your life.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the third episode of Results May Vary. Tracy and I are having a great time. This is our third episode. Today, we're going to talk to Elle Luna. She's a San Francisco-based artist, designer, and writer whose first book, The Crossroads of Should and Must, just launched in April. She's going to tell us a little bit about that. Uh, She really epitomizes this uh, bias towards action that David Kelly, legendary designer who we talked to in our last episode, was telling us about. Um, she's She's got a long history of things she's done. She's worked at IDEO, uh, launched Mailbox, did some work for Uber and Medium. And um, we're really interested in speaking with her because she's completely redesigned her life. And we'd love to um, get some insights from Elle and her work.
0: Hi, Elle. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, We're so excited to have you on the show. I'm thrilled to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, we were especially excited to have you as one of our first interviews because we both feel like you epitomize what it means to live a well-designed life. It seems like you've designed the exact life that you want to have for yourself, and we wanted our audience to hear that experience firsthand from you.
2: Hmm, yes. Let's, let's definitely talk about that
0: today. Okay. Well, um, why don't we just start by, would you mind giving us a general overview of yourself and what you've been up to the past couple of years?
2: Sure. Well, um, I originally met uh, Tracy and Chris at IDEO, and um, I guess that was a number of years ago. And I really, really got off on a great I guess an early crossroads in my life, although I didn't see it as such at the time, um, when I made the decision to go into art school, to go into a creative practice at IDEO as a designer. um, And then after IDEO to jump into startups, I worked with uh, kind of building apps and websites. Um, Some of them you might use on your phone, like mailbox. We wanted to revolutionize the way that people experienced email on their mobile phone, and um, the original Uber app, that was a small team of us in San Francisco, uh, for the iPhone. Of course, now it's across all kinds of platforms. And uh, Medium, I think it's the most gorgeous place to write on the web. And it's where I eventually, when I decided to step away from technology um, to, to tackle my next, I guess, chapter of what was, what was next in my, in my journey, uh, decided to write a post on Medium, which has gotten me into the the journey that I'm in now, which maybe we'll talk in more detail about a little later. But at a high level, um, all of that happened because of a crossroads very early in my life, which was when I unfortunately tried to apply to nine law schools. This was like (laughs) at the end of college. And I come from a long line of lawyers. And so the decision to apply to law school just sort of felt obvious, like I should totally go to law school, uh, particularly because I was around people who were really good at it and they were really, really passionate about law. And so I figured that I should do that too. And as the universe would have it, I got rejected from every single school I applied to. Maybe that's why I don't think of it as a crossroads because it wasn't really a choice. The the universe just said, like, no, we just aren't going to do that. I know, but Um, I,
0: I find it hard to believe that knowing you, like, that you wouldn't get into law school. (laughs)
2: <laughs> oh no, not one. Not one. Every single letter opened with the four words. It was the same. We regret to inform. Like the oh. fifth word doesn't even matter. Like if you get we regret to inform, just just set the set the envelope down and step exactly. away from the envelope. Y- yeah, you can assume that the next word is you. <laughs> yes, yeah, exactly. Um so after after not going to law school, it's just sort of been a creative journey since then.
0: Yeah, and an an amazing one actually. Uh and I've had the pleasure of knowing you, yeah, since you were working at Ideo and now you've gone on to this completely new and more expansive creative path, which I I've just found so inspiring. And yeah, why don't we talk a little bit about what you're doing now because I know that you have a book coming out soon and I am so excited I can't wait to read it.
2: I do have a book coming out and I'm I'm just thrilled. I feel like people have so many different experiences around getting their work out there. And, um, I've never written a book before. It's my first book. And the, the, the journey to the, this point has been tremendous. I just, I have loved the people that I have been working alongside the team just continues to get, um, more and more amazing. It's been, it's just been so exciting. So the book, it, it comes out April 8th. So we're like, right on the cusp of the book coming out. It's called The Crossroads of Should and Must. And the best way I can describe it is um, it's it's like a book um, that is half uh, words and half art. I literally painted most of the pages. Actually, almost every page has, has art on it. It's full color. It's hardcover. It's like a total dream come true to hold an object that feels so... Um, so integrated with like my painting practice and art practice. It just feels like an extension of my studio. And, um, so now we're just gearing up for, for all things book. That's amazing. And it is, it's like a true reflection of who you
0: are. I feel like, um, you know, it's great that you mentioned you have a team sort of helping you and has helped you along the way. Um, but I do feel like, it it must be so incredibly valuable to have something that is an expression of your voice and your vision and your artistry.
2: Absolutely. And I think I received a lot of great advice from um, other folks who've been down this road before. And the advice that I would share for anybody who has an idea that they want to put out in the world is noodle on that de- idea for as long as you can on your own. Um, Maybe at first, it's just with yourself that you're like sitting with this like early nascent idea. And obviously, Tracy, this is so much like design thinking at IDEO, right? Like, we have these ideas that come up over and over and over again, and they quickly get jotted down on post-it notes. And one post-it note might continue to linger a little bit longer while the other ones start to fall away. And as you kind of look at that one idea, you kind of begin turning it around in your head. The next step in that process is in sharing it with someone who you really trust. This is someone who understands your creative process. This is somebody who understands your worldview, the type of things that you want to put out into the world. And it doesn't have to be about design. It can be about life, right? And you, over a coffee or over a pizza, you can share this idea with this person and say, like, I, I would love some help. I would love some feedback. And at that moment, it's like your your dear friend has ultimate veto power. They can just say, really, really, don't waste your time. Like, let's <laughs> stay, stay focused on the course. Or they can say, actually, I think there's something here. Have you thought about this? Have you thought about that? And those partnerships are, wow, wow. Yeah. They are so, so important to process because after that, you create a model or you create something, a framework. For me, it was a medium post Mm -hmm. um, where I kind of started working out my ideas and then you share it with people and you get it out there. And then people begin kind of navigating around this this model or this framework. You begin showing other people your point of view. Mm -hmm. And then finally, when you want to share it with even more people, you can say, this is actually really what I think it needs to be. I think it needs to be a book that feels like an art object. I think it needs to be full color. And I think it needs to be really painted. And I think it needs to be really fast. Somebody needs to be able to read it in an hour and it needs to be for like younger people, older people, men, women. Um, and then when you have that and you have the model to show it, people can say, ah, I I see where that could go. Let's, let's join forces and and I'll bring this thing to life. And that's when the magic happens. Yeah. That's
0: amazing. I I wonder, could you sort of tell people about, how you made those decisions? What was the process to decide, like, it should be painted, it should be
2: a fast read, it should be for young and old? That's a great question. I mean, the first thing I I think of is just that's how I saw it. Mm. Um, I think um, one of the things that I knew really early on is that information has to be digestible. And unfortunately, our culture is such a culture of busyness. Absolutely. We are addicted to being busy. Yeah. And the reason that we uh, don't make time for so many of the things that feel really important in our life is just because we're too busy. And so I knew that this book, if it was dense, little tiny type that ran on for thousands of pages, would. would just not resonate with where people are in their lives. Information is being consumed you know, more and more quickly. The, the Medium post that I put up was a 20-minute read. And I remember thinking, nobody's going to read it. It's 20 minutes long. <laughs> you know, it's, yeah. like, it's such a wild thought. But I wanted somebody to be able to sit down with the book and on one plane flight or on one lunch break, I wanted them to be able to go from cover to cover. And I knew that was just how it had to be in order to be digested.
0: I love it. But even though your Medium post was 20 minutes, and I would assume that, yeah, that's probably on the longer side, uh, it did really well. It did incredibly well.
2: Yes. The Medium post, I published it on April 8th of 2014. And within a couple of weeks, like maybe two or three, it was tweeted to over 5 million people and read by over a quarter million readers.
0: That is absolutely stunning.
2: (laughs) my phone just like melted on the spot. It was, I've never seen anything like it. And Tracy, I mean, you guys, you guys share things online all the time. And I share things online all the time every day, you know, Instagram and Twitter. And I think it's important that we all just keep sharing this stuff because you never know when something is really, really going to resonate with folks. Yeah. You absolutely
0: struck a nerve. And I don't know, I mean, would you be okay if I told the story about how I was looking through my own Facebook feed and, I subscribed to Elizabeth Gilbert's feed who wrote <laughs> Eat Pray Love and she all of a sudden I recognized your your logo of the sign that says should and must and she was sharing it with her readership about how wonderful she thought the article was
2: I'm like, I know that person. Oh
0: my God. That's Al.
2: That's my friend. (laughs) I think it was like Christmas Eve or maybe right before Christmas Eve. And this notification popped up on my phone from you that said, Hey Al, did you see that Elizabeth Gilbert just shared your post? And I think what's so fascinating to me and it all fits together now that I, I see it, you know, kind of looking backwards. The book is about, um, well, it's called the crossroads of should and must. And it's, it's essentially about how we make decisions in our life. Yeah, Should being um, how other people want us to show up in the world. It's all of the expectations that other people layer upon us. Um, and when we live our lives in should, it can be really comfortable and it can be easy. And there are a lot of rewards. Yeah. And sometimes should is very pleasant. Um, but when we choose should, we live our life for someone or something other than really who we are. And must is this something else. Must is, um, who we are and what we believe and what we know to be true in our gut. It is this, you know, I recently heard somebody say that like, you know, when you're in love, you know, when when you're in love, you know, mm-hmm. when, you're, when you know, you know, that's what they said. And that's what must is when you know, you know, it's this sort of, um, it like right in your belly. It's like this inexplicable, undeniable feeling of that you have to do something. Yeah. And, um, the reason it made so much sense that she shared it on her, on her feed is that so much about her work is about self-awareness and how we think about our lives and our choices. And she's just doing such a phenomenal job sharing, um, that self-awareness was such an, a large group that mm-hmm. she was the perfect person to share it. And it was just, it was such a special moment for me because I've learned so much from her writing. It it really brought it full circle. Yeah. I,
0: I don't know if you've seen her TED talk on creativity and sort of having to write that book right after Eat, Pray, Love and knowing that there was probably no way she was going to be able to live up to her success. And that, People were expecting her to fail and what that felt like. Just having the, the vulnerability to share that with so many people is really important. As a creative person, it's so inc- important to hear someone else share that with you. She
2: really, really gets it. She really gets it.
0: Yeah. Well, when you were talking about the should not must, I was like, yeah, so you applying to nine law schools, that's the should. Um, and then could you share, I love the story about how you found your way to your art studio. Mm,
2: yes, yes. So that's actually the the way that I opened the book. Um, the, the story that... You're referring to is um, for a, a long while, a long stretch of time, a couple of months, I began to have a recurring dream. And in this dream, I would walk into a room that had concrete floors, glowing white walls that were so tall, warehouse windows that ran the length of the space, and a mattress on the floor. And in my dream, I would I would walk into this this space and it just was so warm and so comforting and it just filled me with a deep, deep innermost peace. Hmm. And that was it. And I had this dream over and over again. And one day my friend Susie said to me, Hey Al, have you ever thought about looking for your dream in real life? And I don't even know what to do with a question like that. I mean, how do you like (laughs) take a dream? I didn't even know, but I thought, okay, well, when you decide to look for your dreams in real life, where do you go? Craigslist. (laughs) Craigslist is where I went. And, um, I just started looking for the room day after day. I didn't really tell anybody about it because it felt ridiculous. It felt totally ridiculous. And eventually one day this tiny little thumbnail came up on the, on the screen and Tracy, like I, I, I almost expected for it to be there. I mean, I guess that's why I continued to search. Yeah, yeah. I just, I felt like just as I was looking for it, it was looking for me. And we were reunited in that day. There was an open house the next, the next afternoon. I went, I got the apartment and I moved in two days later. And really the most uh, powerful moment was that I still just didn't understand why I was having this dream or what it was all about. And on my very first night there, as I walked in, literally, what an out-of-body experience, right? Like, I'm standing in a room that I have been dreaming about, and now it's in real life. It's very weird. Right. And, um, and I, 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 I began to panic. I, didn't, I did not see that one coming. And um, as I started to panic, I just began asking these questions that were racing through my head. Like, what is this all about? What am I, what, what, why am I, what am I doing here? And I just stood up, and I just asked the room. hmm and I said, why am I here? And as clear as day, the room said back to me, it's time to paint. <laughs> and I hadn't painted for a very long time. The next day I went and got all the paints and I came back and I just started painting with an energy that I had never felt before in my life. And that went on for, for months.
0: Yeah. I mean, you're, now the, the white room is sort of splattered in all these gorgeous colors reflective of your, your process.
2: The white room is now very much less white.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, what I'm, what I'm hearing from you is that you, you really work off of intuition. I mean, how does, how do you, how do you get to the place where you can trust or that where you feel confident listening to that? Because I feel like that's really difficult for people to overcome.
2: Oh that is such a great question and you know this is this is the part that really stumps people and the reason the crossroads has should and must is because when i first thought about must it seems really fun and very romantic and like something that i would very much like to do and i'd like to do it immediately but the question is if must is so great Why don't we all choose it every day, all the time? Well, the reason that we can't get our energy going towards must is because should is this energy that takes us in the opposite direction. It's almost like you're being pulled in two opposite ways. And while you can explore should and must, somewhat concurrently, the most successful people who I've seen be able to make the shift from should to must um, spent time getting to know their shoulds. They spent time actually digging into the thoughts or belief systems or ideas that maybe they inherited as early as childhood Mm -hmm. and continue to live with day in and day out in terms of relationships, job choices, friendships, everything. They carry these belief systems around with them and they might find themselves in their fifties, in their twenties, in their eighties, still holding on to belief systems that they've never consciously examined.
0: That is so... So true. <laughs> I just the, ha- I just had a I just had a similar experience recently and I I can't believe how much we do carry with us from the past, unexamined.
2: And it just it's it's a slippery thing because it almost slides into our life like camouflage. Mm-hmm. It's like a blinder. It, it it limits our vision, but we don't actually see the blinds, we just see the limited vision. Somebody said to me the other day, it's like, um, it's like living in a basement and keeping ourselves trapped in a basement when actually we're living inside of an enormous, epic, beautiful castle. (laughs) (laughs) And the more we can get to know should, it's like we open the door to that basement and then we step out and we realize that actually the whole downstairs is kind of dark. Maybe let's find a stairwell up Mm -hmm. and then we go up the stairs and then, wow. I never knew that there was this thing called light. I never knew that there was this thing called color. I never knew, right? It just continues to expand. But we can sit in the basement all day long and dream about color and dream about these other things. But until we really go there and realize that we are in the basement, we are in the situation, it will be difficult for us to ever work our way out of it. Totally, totally. I love that.
0: Um, I love the, the idea that I'm in this beautiful castle. <laughs> and it's just yeah. waiting to explore.
2: Yes. And I mean, somebody said, asked a question the other day that was so great. He said, um, he said, "Do we ever like, does must kind of come and go throughout our lives? And you know, is, are we closer to must, and then it's further away?" And the question was so great because must is like this thing that never leaves us. It's with us always. I believe that must is the life force that brought us here. It's with us until our last breath and it continues long after we go. Mm-hmm. And should is really the thing that gets in the way. Should is the thing that disrupts the grand plan. And should is the thing that we wanna, it's almost like keep our alarms and our alerts up. And we wanna say, oh wow, look, I'm falling into this a pattern again that I've had for a long time. I'm going to actually choose to start being self-aware about this. Mm-hmm. And all we have to do is be self-aware. And then it begins to release its grip on our life.
0: What, when was the last time, I mean, it, you've had so much success sort of going from you know design work to working with startups to being an artist and having this book launch. And I know that it's not that easy. You know, it sounds really glamorous, but I know that you're working really hard to make each of these things happen. And so I'm just conscious of the fact that some people will be listening to this and feel like it's not as approachable for them. So, what would you say would be a good first or second step for somebody who wants to start living more in the must category?
2: That's a great question. Three thoughts immediately come to mind. One, find a very dear, close confidant that you can confidant that you can begin talking about these things with. Somebody who is like that partner that I was talking about earlier, who you can begin just exploring these topics. Um, it's really, really good to have a mirror, and relationships provide that mirror for us. Two, um, begin there's this activity in the book that I call, I'm um, getting to know what you want. I have note cards that I keep around like three by five note cards, begin capturing the little things that pop up throughout your day that catch you. Um, for example, yesterday I was in an Uber in New York going to the airport and the driver began to sing the most beautiful operas. <sighs> Just Sing And it was like in that moment, my hand just fell to the, the, to the, the the cushion, and the phone went off, and I just went into another world, listening to this man sing opera. It was so beautiful. And so I grabbed my note card and I wrote, Opera, question mark. <laughs> I don't know if it was that man and just the beauty of him freely expressing himself or if it was something about opera. Or something about singing or voice. I don't know, but it's a clue. As you go throughout your day, look for clues. It's like a little treasure hunt. Maybe it's um, that you want to drive a fast car. Or maybe it's that you just want to go and blow up balloons. Or maybe you just want to play. Maybe things are just too serious. Maybe you need some solitude. Beginning, begin listening to your intuition, that voice inside of your head that wants things And the more you listen to it, the louder it will start to speak. And that's a muscle that you can begin to listen to. And that's the muscle of must. That's the voice that's going to point you in the direction towards um, more of your passion and less of the shoulds. Um, And the third thing um, that I would say is play. And, And we talk about this all the time when it comes to innovation, when it comes to design. And I think that entrepreneurs and creatives, people who are who are constantly told, break all the rules in terms of business or creative practice. Um, play comes, maybe is a bit more integrated into the everyday routine. If there's not a lot of play in your life, um, grab a box and start filling it with playful things. Maybe it's costumes or hats. Maybe it's silly straws or um, crazy lights or tutus that 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 blink. Um, maybe it's it's paint. I don't know anything that kind of just seems silly and fun. And when you get to a spot where you just feel stuck in the mud, grab that box and play because that's when um, creativity begins to unlock and new ideas begin to come forward. And it's the same thing with creativity. It has to have play so that it can find new combinations and new forms.
0: Those are completely practical and I love that. Like, Yeah, have, have things around you that inspire you. Have things around you that give you the permission that maybe you're not giving yourself. And one of the things that Chris and I talked about in our first podcast was this idea of creativity and sort of how people feel as though you are creative or you aren't creative. And our point of view, and I'm sure you're similar, is that everybody has the opportunity to be creative because all creativity means is to create something, and you can mm. you can approach it from a logical or analytical point of view, or you can approach it from you know the the more traditional model. What do you say to people who think, "Well, I'm just not I'm not creative. That's great for you. You're an artist. You're a designer. Um, but I'm a banker, or I'm a you know a chef, or something." What do you say to them?
2: Wow. Well. I think this is where the trusted confidant comes in. That friend, Mm -hmm. for example, just three days ago, my trusted confidant wrote me an email and it said the following. Dear Elle, I would love to know if you would like to express what your vision for the world is. Love me. (laughs) That was it. I love it. Did you have an answer? If an email like that doesn't get you creatively thinking, I don't know what else will. It, it really daunted me at first, yeah. and um, it took me a couple of days. But when you have a trusted friend who you can play and um, have permission to, you know, sometimes we like to say, like, can I have a do-over on that email? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's sort of like, you know, when her kids and you know, you, you get to like do it again. Yeah. Um, I'm sure I'll rewrite that email multiple times throughout my life. And with her, I always have the permission to have a redo. So I felt very comfortable writing it. And I wrote some really big, crazy, scary things in mm-hmm. that email. And, um, the amazing thing about that is just going through the exercise of, of thinking about what the big goal is, but the one word I would like to highlight is the word dream. Mm -hmm. What is your, you know, dream or your vision of the world? And to dream is a wonderful thing to do when you're in a visioning phase of your work, Mm -hmm. but a very different word is needed to actually create it, which is to work, to sit down every day and put in the work. And the one thing I tell people is if they have an idea of their must, maybe it's to build colonies on Mars. Maybe it's to be a world-class accountant. Maybe it's to teach meditation to young kids, volunteer, write a book, anything, whatever that vision is. If you want to pursue your must, find 10 minutes. And you know how we were talking about this culture of busyness. Mm-hmm. The reason we don't make time for a must in our life is because we're too busy. And if you want to find must, find 10 minutes a day, block it off in your calendar, and hold yourself accountable to showing up and sitting down and actually doing the work. And maybe the work just means breathing. Maybe the work just means listening to whatever songs come to mind. The one piece of advice I would have about that 10 minutes is don't plan it until the 10 minutes begins. Yeah. (laughs) Sit down on that park bench or at that library desk and say, okay, must, what do you want today? And do whatever it asks for 10 minutes. I love that. I love that. And that's what
0: you did with your, with your room in the white room. And you showed up and you asked yourself, what the hell am I doing here? Yes. (laughs) Cool. Well, thank you so much, Elle. This has been brilliant talking to you, and I'm so excited for your book to come out and all the success that I know it'll bring you.
2: Mm, Thank you, Tracy. This has been a pleasure.
0: Elle has such an inspiring story. After our interview, Chris and I sat down to talk about what really resonated with us the most.
1: A couple of things that stood out for me is just uh, just how much uh, push pull the should and must you know. There's, there's like these counterpoints that are always pulling at you, and it really stood out for me when she talked about being addicted to busyness and this, like addicted to the shoulds. you know. And so um, that's really interesting. How, how did you feel about that balance between should and must?
0: Yeah, I feel like that's something that people fall into every single day. Uh, trying to make space for the things that you really want to do. Um, And I like the idea of should being the way that other people want you to show up in the world, not necessarily how you want to show up in the world. And I think we bow to that so often and don't even think about it and it becomes a habit. And then that's why we need something like this show or some of the other work that people are doing out there to remind us that we have that option. Right.
1: Right. Yeah. The power of the show is this, I, I think, uh, Elle's doing a great job of shining a light on just how powerful it is mm-hmm. and I couldn't help but think that that's um, it's so, there's the should that you think about and then there's all the shoulds around you you know it's almost like a, the the superego, you know like all these things that are around you that are like this is the way that it's done and mm-hmm. I, I thought it was interesting because we both know Elle from our lives and that I found it shocking that she was denied nine law schools. I just like, wouldn't let her in. You know, exactly. It's like, wow, a lot of talent to not let in your doors, you know, you idiots. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but lucky for her, that didn't work out. She said something in the interview where it was something along the lines of, uh, you don't always know when you're in a crossroads, mm-hmm. um, which I thought was really, I could really relate to that because you could, it's not this conscious thing you're always dealing with. It's like, oh, check it out. I'm at the corner of should and must. Exactly. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> you're right show right up on. that Whoa. easily. Uh, I think a lot of times it's not until you're through it when you realize that it was the, the must that came through or or the opposite is true, too. It's like, oh, I did this for all the wrong reasons.
0: But I think one of the things that she's told me before is that a lot of people come up to her and say, so I have to quit my job, right? And the reality is, no, your job is probably fine. It's probably amazing and in ways that you might not be seeing. But instead of taking that big leap, uh, just see what those quick little 10-minute things add up to over time. And then you can decide whether or not you need to leave your job or not, and probably you won't.
1: Right.
0: (laughs) Or sometimes you will. All right. That's a wrap. Thanks so much for listening. Our dream is to build a community of people who can create and take advantage of any opportunity that interests them. To do this really well, your participation is key. So if you want to try out and share back your own life design experiments, or if you've already got a great story of how you've designed your life, we'd love to hear from you on our Facebook page or at resultsmayverypodcast.com. Our website is also where you'll find show notes and links to all the things we mentioned in the podcast. And if you would be so kind, subscribe to the show and rate us and write a review on iTunes or Stitcher. That'll let even more people start designing their lives. A big thanks to Elle Luna for sharing her results with us today. And as always, special thanks to composer and filmmaker H.P. Mendoza for the results may vary theme music. And graphic designer Anessa Bremer for our logo. And of course, thank you so much for listening.